0: Hi guys. uh, Welcome to room one. It's five o'clock on uh, Wednesday. I renamed people and I usually do rename people if if I notice that you come in and your name is your actual name. So if you just look at what your name is, so you know who you are, if you get referenced, Um, I'll chit chat a little bit as we let people log in. And, um, always want to throw this out there that if there's anything, anybody wants coaching on, go ahead and, uh, raise your hand or you can go into the chat. And then if we don't have anything to coach on that people want to bring, um, I will do a little training, which is a little exercise that I think is really useful, um, for when you're on your own and if the, if the shit's hitting the fan, basically. Um, so we'll just give people a few minutes We have a new bunny at our house. It's like a petting zoo here. Three dogs, um, a tank of fish, a tortoise, and a bunny. And the bunny just chewed her way through her little mesh um, thingy, like a bunny kennel. And she was just sitting on my daughter's bed like, hey, what's up? So we just went and frantically corralled the bunny into a different bunny situation. So anyway, I'm sweating. Um, Okay. Do we have anybody that has anything they would like to be coached on tonight? If so, raise your hand. Raise your hand. I'll give it till maybe like 5.05. And if we don't have anybody volunteering, then um, I'll do a training for you guys. Now you can actually hear some of the dogs barking. Okay. And then if you don't have anything you want coached on, because everything's just going so wonderfully, then we can talk about how things are going wonderfully. And uh one of the fun things to do is try to anticipate pitfalls. It's like doing a pre-mortem. You know how when we do our MMs after our cases, when things don't go as planned. We can also do a premortem where we anticipate what pitfalls we might run into as we're moving forward. That's the other way to do it. If you don't have anything you think is going wrong right now, we can talk about what's going right. Two more minutes of uncomfortable silence and then we'll dive in. Um... Somebody has named herself Taylor Swift. I could not love that more. <laughs> um, I love myself some Tay Tay. Okay, looking for volunteers. Okay. Oh, yay, Taylor Swift, raise your hand. Yippee. Hi, Jess. Hi, Taylor Swift.
1: So I found out I had some bad reviews on Google and I can't quit thinking about it. I didn't even know they were there. And some of them were a few years old. Oh,
0: Google reviews. Oh. So tell me everything. Tell me like what happened.
1: So one of my partners, was upset that he wasn't coming up on Google and he said, you're the only one on there. I was like, Oh, I haven't even looked. And there weren't very many, but a few of them were bad. Some of them were totally unfounded. Didn't even make sense. But one of them probably had some merit to what the patient was complaining about and really bothers me.
0: Okay, well, what they say?
1: uh it was a patient that had been seen during covid and was a possible uh like misdiagnosis
0: misdiagnosis of uh, covid or of no this, no particular just, area it just yeah not not it was just a patient I had
1: seen during covid and was a misdiagnosis in my area which we were limited in how we saw patients during that time so it was a patient that I had just seen over zoom or on telemed
0: okay can I pause for a second I just realized that Thousand Oaks posted in the chat and I didn't have my chat pulled up so I'm so sorry I was not trying to ignore you on purpose um so Thousand Oaks we're going to talk to Taylor Swift first and then if um, if you so desire, we can talk about your literal shit show. We love the shit shows. That's where everybody learns the most. Okay. Thousand Oaks. We're back to you now. Now, let's set this up. So the C is Google Review. But do you know what they said specifically without giving away your identity?
1: Uh. I'm trying to remember what they said, just that they had a bad experience and they didn't like me. (laughs) And that I, then I went and looked this patient up because they put their name and then Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, well, okay. Maybe that was something legitimate. I never saw them back for further follow-up, but um I don't know. It's hard to say without giving away, you know, specifics.
0: Yeah. And so we don't need you to do that. So let's explore this a little bit because these things um, affect all of us because of the whole Prescani culture that we're living in. And there's a lot of like outrage among doctors about like having to be measured in this way, you know, like you would as if you were going into a restaurant. And so I do see that that is like a... um, kind of a shitty thing, right? But it's also disempowering to think we don't have any control in the situation or don't at least have the ability to influence it. So let's take a look at what this did for you. So this, we're going to set up your default model now. For those of you who are just joining this particular type of coaching, what I like to do is talk about a particular situation and see what our brains offer us at baseline, and then we'll set up like the strategic thing, the, the the way in which we would want to approach a situation, which gives us kind of a pathway to a better place. And it also helps us to determine what we need to grow in order to achieve that new place. Okay, so the default pathway is circumstances Google Review. This patient. Had a bad experience and doesn't like you. And so, what do you think? That triggers us to think stuff. What do you think?
1: Well, I immediately think that I'm a terrible doctor and that I should quit. I mean, that's like immediately what I jumped in. Like, this patient's going to come back and sue me, that other patients are going to read these reviews and not want to come see me. I've quickly spiraled out of control.
0: Right. So the default programming is I suck. I should quit. Some form of I'm not good enough to do this job. And then when you think that thought, how do you feel?
1: Oh, I don't know. Sad.
0: Okay. And then when you feel sad about it, what do you do? Well, you already mentioned something you did. You catastrophized. You, like, assumed the worst and, like, patient's going to sue. What else did you say? You said something like other people? uh,
1: Yeah, other patients will read the reviews and not want to come see me.
0: Okay. And then you said you spiral. What does it, what does it look like when you spiral?
1: I like wake up in the morning thinking about it.
0: Okay. So that's like ruminating. And when you ruminate, is it the same thing as when you're catastrophizing? Is it the same thoughts that you're ruminating about?
1: Not really. I'm just thinking like what, what could have been done differently? How could this have I don't know. How could I have had a different outcome or what did I miss or what could I have done?
0: Yeah. And then the other thing is you went and like looked up the patient, right? Yes. Because
1: I didn't remember the name. Yeah. I thought, is this even a real review?
0: Sure. Absolutely. And so in true Brain fashion, by the way, we all share a human brain. So we all do this. You're not alone. We all do this. It's this default thing that happens. It's like the operating system that just goes to work without our permission. And it inevitably boils down to some thought about how we didn't do a good job or we're not good, blah, blah. And then we feel shitty. And then we do all these things when we feel shitty and that action line is actually characterizing who we're being in those moments. It's like the person who shows up to play is that, and then all of it creates a result in our life, which is, I like everything sucks. Really, I suck. This patient sucks. Press Ganey sucks. Surgery sucks. Like it's just like a suck. Does that fit? Yes. Okay. Everything sucks. And it's very disempowering because it feels like we're kind of victimized by the situation. Were you at all in your actions, like judging the patient, which, by the way, I would be surprised if you weren't, because this is what we do, too. We're like, how dare they say that when when how could they possibly know? how complicated this is and how could they possibly, you know, they're not qualified to make this determination, blah, 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 blah. That's usually some form of what I do (laughs) during those things. Was there any judgment towards the patient during your actions?
1: No, not really. Most of it just felt like ashamed. Like who else is this patient told that I'm terrible?
0: Yeah. Okay. So that's telling us like the, um, when you say sad and then you, Now just mentioned ashamed, just so everybody knows, none of this is happening like neatly. Our brains have a gazillion thoughts that fire at once. We feel different emotions at once. And so when we're trying to use this tool as it's an awareness tool, this just helps us paint the scene of kind of what your life experience was like in those moments. And you were probably experiencing combination of things, sadness, ashamed, um, Sometimes people feel sheepish, uh, any number of things. So a couple of learning points out of this are our feelings are very important. They're a guidepost. And so we can give meaning to our feelings by trying to investigate what they're teaching us about us. And I use this fever analogy. I've said this a gazillion times, so bear with me if I've said this to you before, but our feelings are kind of similar to when a patient comes to us with a fever and your patient comes with a fever. You don't just say to your patient, well, stop having a fever. That's ludicrous. What we actually do is we inquire so we can determine what the cause of the fever actually is. We ask questions like, is it red? Is it swollen is there pus coming out does it hurt to breathe is your calf tender does it hurt to pee yada yada so we can find the source of the fever well similarly our emotions are trying to tell us something too and i think very often what we do is we just want to stop feeling the bad emotion and and then we'll do all manner of buffering so we'll usually scroll on the phone or drink alcohol or eat food or veg out and watch Netflix. That's my buffering crutch of choice is to just like zone out with Virgin River, sadly. (laughs) But um, that's in an effort to like shut the feeling down instead of just inquiring, like, what's this trying to tell me? And our emotions tell us one of three things. Number one, something about your values. Number two, something about a need or number three, something about a desire. So if we take a look at sadness or shame in this context, what is that revealing about you, about what makes you tick?
1: I don't know that I never want to get in trouble and that I always want to do best by my patients.
0: That's exactly I mean, mostly Because you always want to do what's best by your patients. That's exactly right. It's showing you what you value, which is good patient care. That's great. That's good to know. It's good to know that we take something like this seriously. It's important that we do a good job. It's not um, a requirement for you to be a worthy human, which is where also we try to like tend to conflate things a little bit. But There's nothing wrong with having a value system around the kind of patient care you give. And then to see something that doesn't reflect that, it's kind of like doesn't feel good, you know? Um, It also might reveal something about a need or a desire. So if your practice is such that things are chaotic or challenging or whatever, like maybe whatever care that was rendered that day is emblematic of some systematic problem, you know? So like it might reveal to you something deeper about like a need you have, like the value is you care about good patient, uh, good patient care. And maybe a need is, is a proper nurse practitioner or a better EMR or some kind of support. Does that make sense? Did we lose Tay-Tay?
1: No, I'm still here. Sorry, it wouldn't unmute. Yes, yeah, that makes sense.
0: Okay, so the reason why I'm kind of belaboring this is so that when people are doing this on their own, we can shift away from this like self-flagellation thing that we typically do and actually have an inquiry around what is going on. That helps us understand the truth of the situation and it takes us out of this very disempowered position of just beating the shit out of yourself. So it's important to go over that. Okay, that's all the default pathway. Now let's go over here to strategy and determine what is it you would like, what result would you like to have or what feeling would you like to have? What thought would you like to have? What would you like it to be? This experience of having this Google thing. What would you like it to be? Well, I want it to
1: be all positive reviews, but I know that's probably not going to happen.
0: Why not? Uh,
1: So I guess just, oh, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. I guess it could be.
0: Yeah, man. Like, what an awesome result to have. Let's see what happens. Let's play with this a little bit. We're just accepting of
1: reviews that are not positive. I don't take it so personal.
0: Okay. So just now what I was talking about, like doing the inquiry around the feeling um, is a way to depersonalize it because when we make it mean something of like we're shitty, that's personal. But when we look at it, we say, why am I reacting like this? Well, now it reveals to you something really important about patient care or could reveal something important to you about the system that you're working in, like, that's really less personal than (coughs) making it mean, like, I suck. I also want to be a little bit careful um, around learning how to accept bad reviews. I mean, that's an option for sure, but that's what I call, like, a stoic. There are two types of... Um. Sorry, I'm looking for some notes I took earlier. Um, there's stoic. Hang on, Tay Tay. Shoot, I lost it. Okay, there's two. There are two types of empowerment. One is stoic, and one is heroic. And it's your choice, whichever one you want to choose. Stoic empowerment is learning how to tolerate an intolerable situation. It's like learning how to sit in a dirty diaper and tolerate it. Um, and that's where some of the mind work comes around trying to change your thoughts of acceptance around a shitty situation and that's an option for sure. And we've we've done a lot of that type of coaching, actually, of just like, oh, okay, well, let's just change how you think about these things so that the Google review stays the same. And I just don't take it personally. And I just kind of learn to tolerate the situation as it is. I hope this is making sense. The other type of empowerment is heroic empowerment, where we actually don't tolerate the shitty situation, but rather change it. We we acquire the skills that are necessary to rise up out of whatever the shit is that we're sitting in and make it different for ourselves so that our lives are different, so that our experience of it is different. So I think it would be fun to play with having the result be positive reviews because who doesn't want that? Like if everybody always gets positive reviews, then the press Ganey doesn't matter. It's like, it's an, it doesn't even, who cares about press Ganey if we know we're going to get a positive review? Are you with me? This might be a really bizarre yeah. new alternative way no. to think about it. I'm with you. So, What would one have to do in order to get a positive review?
1: Well, I never solicit reviews. So it says something I've never done. But I think if I asked some of my patients that I know were happy to leave a review, I think they would.
0: Sure. Ask happy patients to leave a review. People do that all the time. We see it like on podcasts they will say, if you love this podcast, I'd be delighted if you leave me a five-star review. It's like they stack the deck. Okay. There was this, hopefully everybody's heard of Tim Ferriss. He's pretty famous. He wrote that book, like the four hour work week. He did this thing where he got a gold medal, I think in like Chinese kickboxing, something really bizarre, not like not a mainstream thing we would usually hear about And he worked for four weeks, he studied the rules of the game. And then he went and he competed and he won a gold medal. So what he did was, is he looked at the rules and studied them and found loopholes. And he ended up doing some really outrageous stuff. Like he um, determined that you could like literally push somebody out of off, off of the zone where they're kickboxing, like out of the ring or off the platform or something you can, you have so many times that you can push them out before they're the other person's disqualified. You can manipulate weight classes. So like if, if you lose a rapid amount of water weight, that this is what he did. So he lost like 20 pounds of water weight. So that put him like right before it, The competition when you weigh in. So that put him really low on the weight class. And then he rapidly rehydrated so that he brought his weight back up and it was not feeling, um, you know, peaked from all of the dehydration. And so he just found all these loopholes and he wasn't kickboxing. He was learning how to work around the rules. And the moral of the story is, is we can look at that and say, he won a gold medal, but he cheated. But if the game he's playing is learning how to hack human success then he won because that's what he actually did he determined all these different ways to hack hack through the system within the rules of the system in order to win so the reason i'm saying this is is like i think this is an example of that why not ask a happy person to leave a review that would stack the deck in our favor i think it's completely fine and within the bounds of you know our own rules of engagement okay um what else might we do to get a positive review probably be a good doctor like listen um inquire order appropriate tests problem solve Do you have anything to add on be a good doctor?
1: No, all all those things. Being empathetic to the patients. I I mean I feel like I am a good doctor and I do all those things.
0: Right. Listen, inquire. Um order appropriate tests. Have empathy. Problem solve. Okay. What else would it take to get a good review? We had somebody in our group get a negative review and our office manager went on, I think it was like one of these, like not health grades, but one of the other ones. And she had, she had them take it down because it was like slanderous and um, they did. So, it's possible to go in and advocate for yourself and remove slanderous reviews?
1: And I just really hate all these reviews. Uh, we also get them from in our Clinic. Mm-hmm. I had one the other day, and it was because the patient uh, didn't like the pork that was served in the hospital. I mean, literally, that's what the reviews said. Food was really bad. I did not want the pork. <laughs>
0: That's what we're up against. I know. To a certain degree, like those are not going to be the things we have any influence over, but the things in with which we do have influence over, we can we can wield our influence. And then also, you know, if there was any truth to what the person says, like be honest about it. And if there was something that you could do better, then there's always an opportunity to do better. Like we can call the patient. We can say, you know what? I read that review and I was thinking back on our encounter. And I think you're right. I missed the boat. And our, I mean, the litigation attorneys will go bonkers if they heard me giving this advice because nobody, they the malpractice people are like, don't ever admit culpability. Don't ever say you're sorry. And I'm like, that's bullshit. That's all people ever really want. They want to be seen. They want to be heard. They want to be they want to know that they matter to you. And so having some sort of honest exchange with somebody where you think you did something wrong, I think would go miles towards good reviews. And I'm certain people aren't doing that. And I think that that would come across as quite ethical to a patient. Other people may or may not agree with me, but that's fine. That's what I would do. How do you feel about that?
1: There was another review where the, this was one of the other bad ones where the patient said she had never met me until the day of surgery. And which was obviously not true. uh, And she was an active patient and we called her uh, about her review. And, she really still said some silly things, but I mean, her review was not true, but we did call her because she was still an active patient. Like, Hey, we noticed your bad review. And also that you said you, you know, hadn't hadn't met the surgeon, but you know, that's who you've been seeing in clinic. So I did, we did call one patient.
0: Yeah. So you know that that's a possible thing to do. And I have called patients after the fact on a number of occasions. And the way I phrase it is, is, you know, we're always looking to improve our process and your feedback here is important. And not only will it help you, it'll help other people. And it's almost like an invitation for them to offer their opinion in a safe way. Um, you know, other people might not be up for that, but I think it's a perfectly reasonable thing to do and more likely to contribute to a good review in the future. Um. Okay. I think that's probably a good enough list for now. Now, how would you need to feel in order to do those things? I
1: don't know. I still don't like reviews.
0: (laughs) Right. I can tell. And most people don't. So you're not alone on this. And we feel so adversarial around the reviews, which creates kind of a vibe or a residue towards the whole thing. It kind of paints the whole thing like when we're just like really locked on to the unfairness of it and it is unfair like it is it really it's unfair because they can't
1: respond it's yeah. like they can have that review there and even if it's like blatantly untrue uh i mean i guess you can fight it to see if they could be re- removed but i mean i don't know from what i've heard that that's not always that easy to have them removed yeah. and because of HIPAA, you can't be like Oh, well, you're lying. You can't, yeah. you can't acknowledge that they were a patient.
0: So there was this thing that we do in our hospital called service recovery. Maybe you guys have it in your hospitals too. And very often I was the one that was kind of pinged to go do service recovery for people. Like if they would have a bad interaction. um, It was just, a, it was a, it was a, an attempt to authentically and, um, you know, like from a very honest place to want to do better, to just figure out what it is this patient's experience was that contributed to their opinion of it. Um, it's it's labor intensive, it's onerous, it's a pain in the ass to be quite honest with you. And yes, the whole thing is unfair that we're judged this way. But at the end of the day, I think the power position is, is to shift from feeling like you're at the mercy of it all and functioning like you're at the mercy of it all towards a position of, well, I really do have some influence here. I do. I have power here. I have influence and I'm going to wield it such that I will do what I can to take really great care of patients and solve their problems. And at the end of the day, that's the best I can do for these reviews. Um, Like when we're constantly working towards doing what's best for everybody, I feel like that will be more likely to result in positive reviews in the long run. Whereas when we kind of have the, um, the, alternative, um, I'm trying to think of the right word here. It's not, it's like an attitude. It's like a a sensibility about these reviews when we're like at war with them. It's just, we're never going to get anywhere. Like we're completely incapacitated when we're at war with this big systematic review thing. So I don't know. That's my two cents on this. I'd be interested to hear what other people think, because this is a very hot topic right now, very hot. Um, But let's let's get everybody's opinion in just a second. So how would you need to feel about this whole thing for you to be able to show up in this way? I don't know. I can think of a couple things like, number one, just empowered. Influential um committed to your ethics and values um do any of those land for you yeah or maybe determined determined is a good one um Anything popping up for you for a for a powerful feeling?
1: Yeah, I like determined.
0: Okay. And then what would you need to think to feel determined?
1: Just that I do have some control.
0: That's right. It's a lie to think that you don't have some degree of influence. And it's also a lie to think that you suck and should quit. That's just not true. So I do have influence, power, and will wield it for the benefit of everyone. Isn't that different? Thanks for bringing this today, Taylor Swift, because this is, this is really on everybody's mind right now. And this sets up this way in which we can really see now what our brains will do. Our brains are assholes. And so what they're going to do is this default thing where they make us the problem and they make this this villain a problem. So... If we can take a step back from like a villain and try to determine, having us be the problem is actually good because once we know that what we bring, we can interrogate what we bring and figure out how to bring something different or better or more influential. So it helps us kind of dissolve the villain, even though we all know that the villain is the system with which we're working. For press gaining in a number of ways, the system is the villain. But if we just keep thinking that the system is the villain and the system is the villain, we don't, it doesn't allow us to see the power and influence that we actually do have. And only until we can wield our power and influence will we be able to change the system. So we will dismantle it like a Jenga, one freaking brick at a time. Every single time we decide we are gonna wield our power and control uh, or influence in this particular situation. Um, So one is the default, and then the other one is the strategy. And the skill here is, is recognizing that the default programming that we have is not a problem, it's just a default. And it's a point of reference from which we can move to something else that's more effective. There's another skill here where when you look at what you ruminate about or what you're catastrophizing about, it's another form of inquiry where you can go through those and systematically dissolve these shitty thoughts by asking yourself two questions. Number one, is this true? And number two, is this useful? Because most of the time our brain is just offering us garbage. That's not even true. It's like we have a fundamental misunderstanding about the way the world works sometimes. It's like not even true and then definitely not useful. And then you can ask yourself to replace it with something that is useful, such as this. I do have influence and power and I will wield it for the benefit of everyone. Okay, Sunflower has offered a thought here. It will only be a fair system when you can either respond or there is a system that responds to remove reviews that are fraudulent or outright lies. That's right. So it is unfair. And we see this all over the place, fundamental unfairnesses that are occurring all over. As women in surgery, we see this on a gazillion different levels. We see it when men just get to do whatever the fuck they want. And then we're kind of like in the background having to play by a different set of rules. We see it with the Prescani scores. We see it um, with the way our households are run, where we're responsible most of the time, not everybody, but, you know, we can be responsible for the lion's share of the unpaid work at home um there are unfairnesses in the way women are paid over the way men are paid we see this all over the place but until we are able to wield our power and influence we won't be able to change the systems wow i feel like i just preached or something i'm sweating again okay taylor swift can you add anything to that or does that feel complete
1: no that feels complete
0: thanks okay thank you Now, the last two times we were on, as I unmuted people, um, or I disabled their talking, it shut down Zoom completely. I don't want to do it. So, T-Swift, can you do that on your end? Can you, let's see. Do you have the ability to go in and say disable talking, or is that just me?
1: I think I only have mute and unmute.
0: Okay, so you guys, if this collapses Zoom again, I'm going to stop recording a second.